morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. The eagle-eyed among you will have seen that Katrina appears to be here, but she's not eavesdropping. She is at another church this morning that I hadn't spotted. I had to log in as her in order to open up our service this morning. So we didn't dare take her out of the meeting in case everything fell apart. So she's off at another Zoom church on her phone. What a world we're living in. It's lovely to be joined again with family and friends from around the country and uh, in some cases the other side of the ocean. You are all very welcome. As you know, Katrina's actually on leave this week, so we are delighted to welcome back to Hillhead, even if it is via Zoom, Irene Campbell. Uh, you'll remember that Irene is the family and community pastor at Westwood Baptist Church in East Kilbride, and Irene, it is lovely to see you again. Uh, you'll also hear in this service the voices of Sylvia, Ken, Adi, and Modi. And we'll be singing along with recordings of ourselves during the hymns. So as well as Paul on keyboard, you'll hear Yang Yang and Ailey, both of them uh, accompanying us. Then just to be reminded that at 7pm this evening, the Baptist Union of Scotland will be hosting their next live prayer broadcast. That's on Facebook Live, and we now know that that will continue weekly until the end of August at least. Two pieces of family news, and the first is a piece of sad news. Um, I think a number of us will already have heard with sadness the news that Carissy's nephew Gordon died this week. Uh, some of us have known Gordon since he was a teenager when he was an active member of the Hillhead Youth Group. So please remember his mother Rose, his wife Maureen and their two children, as well as his sister Irene and his brother Colin. And then a piece of lovely news. Uh, Leo has just received confirmation from the Home Office that his citizenship application has been successful. And that is wonderful news, Leo. It really is. Um, he will have a citizenship ceremony as soon as that is possible, given the current COVID-19 situation. But that will be a great day and a long time coming, Leo, and we're really delighted. Next Sunday morning, we'll gather for worship at 11 a.m. again, when we'll welcome back Graham Meeklejohn, who is the lecturer in theology at the Scottish Baptist College, and he will lead our worship. But in the meantime, if you're still shielding, or if you've been told to self-isolate, and you need essential shopping or a prescription collected, just let me know. These are all our notices. Good morning everyone, it is really good to be back with you at Hillhead. What a joy it is to see all your faces even though you're just in these wee boxes. But uh, it's lovely to be able to do this. Isn't technology amazing when it works? <laughs> so uh, I'm just looking forward to all that's going to happen today and all that God is going to do in us and through us this morning. Let's start with um, this great uh, passage from Revelation. This is what it says. In Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Let's sing together in the hymn, Here in This Place, New Light is Streaming. Let's sing together. Mm -hmm. 
morning and we approach you and we bring our hearts and our lives to you this morning longing to be in your presence longing to know you better longing to go deeper with you father god as we look around your creation as we look around your world we thank you for your kindness and your faithfulness and your love and your compassion that is new every morning. And God, we thank you for Jesus this morning. We thank you for his sacrifice for us. We thank you for his redeeming love which changes and transforms us. And Lord, as we look to you today, we ask that your presence will fill us and that we will know your spirit moving and active in us today. Would you lead us? Would you transform us? Would you change us by your spirit? Would you help us to be closer to Jesus this morning? Reveal your son to us today. Reveal what it means to be your church, your body here on earth. Lord, we love you and we come to you now and we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Sylvia is going to read now for us from Matthew 25. Thank you. The parable of the ten bridesmaids. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flax of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all of those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. 
for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, not, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourself. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaid came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In 1989, in June of 1989, I was in Berlin with a group of pupils on a dance exchange. Uh, I was their teacher, not one of the students, just saying. Um, and I asked the tour guide, who was about 25, this question. Do you think you'll ever see the wall falling down or being brought down? And she replied, not in my lifetime. And within six months, the Berlin Wall fell. And within that time, the world was changed. And as a 25-year-old, or even as a 55-year-old or a 65-year-old, they weren't expecting that Berlin Wall to come down in their lifetimes. And I thought that that was a really incredible thing because there was no expectation and there might have been hope, but there was no expectation that it was going to happen. I also love a wedding. I love the preparations. I love the ceremony, even the speeches when they go wrong. I love the meal and the party with all the dancing and sharing with the family and friends of the married couple is always such a joy. And our opening reading this morning was looking at that time, that beautiful picture of the day when we, in that new heaven and new earth, that we will stand before God and be presented to our Lord Jesus Christ as his beautiful bride. And it's this image of Jesus as the bridegroom that I want to think about today. When Jesus told that parable that Sylvia read to us today, he was speaking to his disciples and he was giving them certainty and hope about what was to come. But he was under no illusions that they weren't sure what was going to be happening and they were looking for signs and things that were going to happen. And Jesus said, no, this is what I'm going to tell you. We don't know the day and the time, but be prepared. And along with the parable of the talents and that example of the sheep and the goats, Jesus in no uncertain terms was saying, I am coming back. No doubt about it. We don't know the exact date and time for my return, says Jesus, 
but I am coming back and I want you to be ready. And as centuries have gone by, perhaps the church has lost its sense of urgency for what it means for us to be waiting expectantly for Christ's return. Have we got a bit complacent? And I believe that now in 2020, right here, the church is experiencing so much change. The world is seeing trauma and grief and chaos and social upheaval. And we are being asked again by the Lord to be prepared for his return. And that's exciting, but it's also quite a responsibility on us as his people, as his church. And we've not to be passively waiting as though we're at a bus stop and the bus is going to come eventually and we get a bit bored. But we're preparing and we're active we have to be involved and actively seeking to change and transform the lives of ourselves and of those around us. So the church, so you and me, we are a work in progress. When we see that picture of the bride, we're not there yet. And as Jesus speaks to us today, what is he saying to us about this time of waiting? The parable of the ten virgins always used to confuse me because I have a 21st century Western view of marriage and what that means to be how the marriages would take place now. But in those days, in Jesus' time, the bridegroom would leave his home, he would go to the bride and they would spend time together, the wedding nuptials would take place there. And all of that would happen, and then the bridegroom would bring the whole party back to his place, to his home, and that's where they would have the celebration feast. And he would bring everyone in. Invitations would go out, and people would be invited to come and celebrate with them. But no would be away for one day, sometimes it might be two days, sometimes it might be a week. They didn't know how long the nuptials would take and they had to be ready. So 10 of the virgins had been invited to the feast and then when that cry goes up that the bridegroom is arriving, their job was to light their lamps and lead the procession of the bridal party. They had a job to do. All were invited, but only five of them were really prepared. Those five wise virgins were prepared to wait as long as it took. They brought all that they needed and more. They were ready for the long haul. And when they accepted that invitation, they were committed fully to giving it their, their best for the feast. They were going to celebrate in style and they were going to prepare for the bridegroom to come and have their torches ready and invite him as they went along with the bridal party into that feast. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they fell asleep and that was natural for all of them. But they had their lamps and they had their extra oil close by. So when they heard, come out and meet the bridegroom, they were ready. The five foolish virgins didn't have enough oil to trim their lamps. So they couldn't provide the light for the procession. And while they went away to buy more, the door of the feast was closed. I wonder what those five foolish virgins expected would happen. Did they think that the bridegroom would relent and say, come on in? He didn't. Keep watch, says Jesus. What does that mean for us to keep watch? 
I believe God's speaking to his church today, to you and me. And he's saying, stay close. Be close to me. Deepen your relationship with me. And don't be distracted by all of the chaos and the things that are going on in the world. I am in charge. I am sovereign. But invest all that you are into a deep intimacy with me and be wholly dependent on me, says Jesus. I am coming. And it's this commitment and desire that separated the wise and the foolish virgins. One was distracted, one was not ready, and the others were the ones who were totally committed, fully prepared, fully faithful, and holding on to that expectancy and joy for the bridegroom to come. And we have to be prepared to use our gifts and our talents to share the gospel with others, whatever that looks like for you and for me. It might be caring for family. It might be looking out for those who are vulnerable or those who are on the sidelines, those who feel excluded. It might be serving in a cafe or it might be in the food bank. It might be visiting or phoning or just showing kindness to people round about you when they don't expect it. But that's when the love from God comes through us and his spirit is outpoured in that love of kindness and goodness towards those around us. And that's what sets us apart. That it's the love of God, it's the spirit that spills out of us into our communities. And we are to keep watch, keep looking. We see Jesus, we know what Jesus has already done in us as our Saviour and as our Lord. But he asks us to be responsible. He asks us to take on that job of preparing for him to come back. We're preparing ourselves and we're preparing others. And I love the song that was chosen to go with this. So the hymn that we're going to choose uh, next is Jesus Bids Us Shine. So think of those lamps. Think of yourselves as those wise virgins with your lamps trimmed and the light blaring from your lamp as we welcome the Saviour, as we welcome the bridegroom. Let's sing together, Jesus bids us shine. Reading from First Corinthians 
chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of a high, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Where all death is your victory, where all death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thank you, that's beautiful. I have a confession to make. I have a secret pleasure that I'm going to share with you. Don't hold it against me. Um, but I love a program called Say Yes to the Dress. If you have never seen it, it's a reality show where women come to the bridal um, suite and they choose a wedding gown, which is going to make her the most beautiful person on that wedding day. She will outshine everyone else in that place. The fun part about the show is that everyone, she has an entourage with her, which is usually like her mum or her gran or her best friends, best friends I'm going to put out there, because they always have an opinion and it never really matches with what the bride thinks. So they're very good at telling her that her bum looks big in that and that she shouldn't be wearing that shape of dress. And the poor soul is always in tears, floods of tears, um, at some point in the appointment. But when she gets that dress, she feels like a bride and they put her veil on and they do all that. And obviously, and she says this, when she puts all this on, she always looks in the mirror and she says, I now feel like a bride. The best part of the show 
is at the end. So they cut to the wedding at the end and you see her husband in waiting. He's standing at the altar and he looks round to see his bride coming. And she's wearing her gorgeous dress and her veil and her train and the camera cuts to the groom. And his face is full of love and adoration for his bride. And I can't help thinking that we have been created by God and he will present us as his beautiful bride to his son. But we're in the process of being changed. We are being in the process of being clothed in righteousness, in holiness, and being filled with his spirit so that we can be confident in God to make us perfect for our Saviour. And in 1 Corinthians 15 that was read there, the words that were said over us was that they were going to be changed, that we were going to be clothed in righteousness, that we were to put on the imperishable, put it on like clothes, put on immortality, clothe ourselves with those things that have changed us and transformed us. And what comes from that is victory through Christ. We have to be immovable. We have to be that beautiful bride which is going to be presented to the bridegroom. But again, not only are we going to be presented as that beautiful bride, in all of Jesus' holiness, clothed with his righteousness. But it says this, stand firm, stand strong, labour in the Lord. We're in the process of moving with the Lord. We don't stand still and wait for it all to happen, but we have a place as his church to do that. A couple of weeks ago, I watched a programme called Frozen 2. It's a documentary called Into the Unknown, and it's a series about the making of the film. You get to be a fly on the wall at the production meetings as the musical directors get together and they struggle with bringing the life of the characters onto the big screen. And you see the highs and the lows, you see the changes and all the tweaks that they make, and then there's hard decisions to make. So sometimes months of work will just be thrown out because it's not good enough or it's not the right part for that. They don't make the final cut. But the main focus of the show is the desire that you see for all of those who are creating this beautiful thing to make a masterpiece. Everyone in the team has a pride in what they make. They love it. They give their passion. They give their time in all of it. And they feel that it belongs to them as they create this masterpiece. As I watched each episode, I became more aware of their passion, their love and their commitment. And the creators put into every tiny wee detail. So something that might take two or three hours to do might be a millisecond on the screen. It was incredible. But you could also see at times there was a really emotional part where they had the soundtrack and they had this 70-piece orchestra came in and they brought the music to life as though they were pulling it all together. And for that production time of four years, the final cut of that film was two hours. There was lots of things to be done. And when we see what happens from that, when we see how much God put in to doing something amazing with us, we're not just that we film. We have been created to be this bride that is going to be presented to God, to Jesus. There was one significant point in the documentary, and it was an animator whose idea had to change about, I'm not kidding you, about a hundred times. He had to keep going back to the drawing board. 
And even having worked for four years, he wasn't sure that his work was going to be included. And every time, though, he was disappointed. Every time he looked at it and it wasn't right, he went back to his drawing board. And it turns out that his final attempt, after he brought all of it together, it was absolutely perfect. And not only was it perfect, but it turned out that his input was so significant that it changed a part of the film. They had to change everything round about it. He was prepared to give all in order to give meaning to that story. If that was a film, then how much more is God, our creator, doing in us to make us into that church that he loves and is proud of? And in our lives, it can be messy, can't it? We don't get rehearsals. We don't get do-overs. And sometimes our ideas, our thoughts and behaviours have to be changed. As it said in 1 Corinthians 15, that they have to change from the perishable to the imperishable to the eternal. And sometimes what we are doing needs to be scrapped. Some of the stuff that we're doing needs to be sidelined and thrown out. Because what God is doing in us as we are preparing, what he is doing us in us is to help us to grow, is to increase our confidence in him that Jesus is coming back. And therefore, we are ready, we're expectant, we're joyful. We are standing firm for him. But thankfully, we're not alone. So as his church, we have each other. And we have the Lord. And what do we see in that passage? It says this, it's God who creates in us a new heart. That first reading, I am creating, I am making everything new. That's you and me. God's creating in us a new heart. Jesus is clothing us right now in his righteousness. And the Holy Spirit is working in us to reveal God's purposes for us in our lives. But we also have each other. We have each other to encourage us, to cheer us on, to support us, to be that shoulder to cry on, or even a nudge to get us out of that comfort zone that we're in. God is fully committed to us as his church. He loves us. He sees the possibilities in us. And as his creation, he sees the best version of us. And when he presents us to Jesus as his bride, we'll be clothed in righteousness. We'll be clothed with the imperishable. We will be transformed and we will stand and we will look at the bridegroom. He will show us as his perfect bride for his son. And as his church, along with the Spirit, we will say, come Lord Jesus. There is a fantastic part of that, when I was saying that in the document, in the say yes to the dress, the camera pans always to the bride. But on that day, when we stand before him as the bride, eyes won't be fixed on the bride. Our eyes will be fixed on our Saviour. Our eyes will be fixed on Jesus, the light of the world, the one who loves us and cares for us and has redeemed us. He is creating something beautiful for his church. For you and me. And isn't it great that we get to be part of that? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are creating a new thing. Thank you that you transform our lives. 
Thank you that you are clothing us in the righteousness of Jesus. Thank you that you are making us holy and bringing us closer to him. Lord, we are expectant for all that you'll do in us. But we also ask, Lord, that we would be willing, that we would step forward for you, stand firm for you, knowing that you are coming back. And Father, with that lovely expectation and joy of knowing that Jesus is returning, would you help your church to stand, to stand firm and to love each other and to love the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing together the lovely hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Let us bring our prayers for others and for ourselves. Let us pray. In our reflection this morning, we've been thinking of the need to be prepared, to be ready for what would lie ahead, to be watchful, to be vigilant. But the peoples of this world were caught unprepared and unready for the momentous events which suddenly confronted us in the spring of this year in the form of a worldwide pandemic. Some might claim that we should have been ready, but whatever the truth, we found ourselves in the midst of circumstances that were virtually unknown before in our lifetime. And so here we are, some four months or so further on, the same people, and yet changed in so many ways. 
Many have changed patterns of work. Many have lost their jobs or fear that they soon will. Many of the habitual routines of daily life and leisure have changed. Many of the normal forms of interaction with, within families and between households had to become quite different. Indeed, many of the aspects of what we used to call normal have had to change out of all recognition. And not least for all those of us who've been used to years of gathering together each Sunday for our worship, and they find we now inhabit a different world, an unfamiliar world, a world where we need to be tech savvy, and a world where hugs and handshakes have to be replaced by a wave and a smile conveyed through our flickering screens. Yet we are indeed grateful for the chance we have in our brief breakout groups to draw a little closer in conversation and even banter. However, we know that within all those changes and chances of fortune, you are there amongst us, and thus we come confidently to bring our prayers and petitions before you, knowing that you will hear and understand our worries and our concerns. And first of all, we pray for our own congregation, and today we uphold to you the Haas family, Andrew, Jen, Carl and Aidan, the Edwards family, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, Jeff and Carol, Caris Ferguson, Fiona and Donnie, Edith Fleming and Isan and Annis. Bless each of these individuals, we pray. They each have their own issues and concerns, joys and successes, and we ask that they will be aware of your presence to comfort and encourage them in all life's paths. In the wider family of the Baptist Church in Scotland, we are asked today to remember the Fellowship of High Blantyre and Hillview Community Church, and as it happens, letter H, Hillhead Baptist Church, our own church community. Bless all of our churches and grant that we may be sustained in times of change and challenge. Each church has its own community, its own individual issues and concerns, and we ask that you would come alongside of them as they seek to witness and to serve in your name. Turning our attention to overseas and the work of the BMS, we would remember the variety of mission work of different kinds that has been carried, undertaken in countries as far flung as Afghanistan, Peru, Nepal, Uganda and Thailand. Lord, we can only have limited knowledge of the circumstances and trials that each one of these Christian workers face, but you know them one by one and we ask that they may be kept safe and secure and that they might find fruit for all their efforts in advancing your kingdom by their action and their works. Finally, we return our thoughts to ourselves. We would pray for one another today. We would remember before you any of our fellowship and their loved ones who are going through a particular time of trial or anxiety at this time. We pray also for our minister, Katrina, for the managers and trustees and all who hold responsibility for the ongoing work of our fellowship in these unusual circumstances. Father, hear all these our prayers and help each one of us to remain faithful and not too weary in well-doing as we seek to support one another. And as has been said before, let's keep on helping, hoping and hanging together. Lord, hear all these our prayers and grant us your peace. Amen.
a blessing from First Thessalonians. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in his presence, in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Why don't we say the grace together? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Bless you.